Friends, it's Morgan, and welcome to a really exciting series in the Become Good Soil podcast called Parts Work. Have you ever found yourself with some sort of phrase rising up within you that says something like this, part of me is feeling this, but part of me is feeling this, or part of me wants to do this, and another part of me has this other agenda. Last night, my son called and said, Dad, I really want a hot tub with you and connect. Um, I haven't seen you in a while, and, and I'd really like that time with you. And there was a part of my soul that just lit up that I have a son who wants to spend time unpacking life with me. And then about an hour later, after just, it was a long day, and I was really tired. I'm, I'm not an evening person. I'm a morning guy. And I was just giving up on waiting because it was getting later and later. He was coming home from work. And I heard the garage door open as I went up the stairs. And I could feel part of me wanted to go to bed. Part of me said, I'm just too tired. And then this other part of me rose up and said, there's nothing else I'd rather do than be with my son in the hot tub and listen to his stories as an 18-year-old man that's living in his initiation where everything is new and fresh in this transition, having finished high school, and he's in a gap year before college. Friends, I think you know this feeling. Part of me feels one thing or thinks one thing and does one thing, and part of me does another. What I want to suggest is that in this place, our life is speaking to us. Our soul is asking for attention. And in that attention, our soul is asking us to be curious, not just us as a person, but us as many parts. What if inside of our soul, in a very gender-specific way, and in a very particular way to who God meant when he meant us, our souls are longing for integration of their many parts? And what if at the epicenter of our discipleship, at the deepest level of our moving from our false self to our true self is this deep work of being attuned to the many parts within us in participating in response to God in a process of organizing part by part around God and sustaining them through his power. It's one of the most playful, creative dimensions of our life in the kingdom of God. And so this series is really fun. We're taking some risks. We're diving into the deep end of the pool as disciples. And so if you're listening to this, I'm inviting you to buckle up and to give your soul space, to give your soul permission to let your life speak. So this first episode in the series, I'm actually going to invite you to dive right into our most recent Become Good Soil intensive. 
I brought some of these ideas. I used some film. I interact with some allies, Grant and Ryan. And we actually used some really important illustrations that were kind of the context of describing different parts within us. We call it mapping our parts. I did it and Ryan did it as well. And so you'll want to reference a page. It's becomegoodsoil.com slash parts. On that page, we're going to populate it with lots of ancillary content for this podcast series. But for this episode, you'll want to see a couple things. And one is these illustrations of mapping our parts that Ryan and I took a swing at a a sort of a visual representation. And we got creative with some of the images and made them very Uh, personal, but there is a set of cards called the Interactive Cards for Parts Work. You can find them on Amazon, and they're very helpful because they start with existing images that are meant to help resonate with parts that you find within your soul. It's a great 101 kind of beginning point to start identifying these parts within us and begin to map those, which is really the assignment for this first podcast series and the assignment I left with the men from this live event. So in the conversation, we'll be talking about these cards and referring to images. And when you look at the images at becomegoodsoil.com forward slash parts, many of them began with cards from the interactive cards for parts works. So we want you to be familiar with that. Having said that, let's dive into this first teaching in a story or rather obituary from my buddy, Tim Schrant. Tim Schrant, age 63, March 29, 2019, he passed away in La Crosse, Wisconsin, after a short battle with cancer. Tim made his last inappropriate comment on March 29th. If you're wondering if you've ever met him, you didn't, because you would remember him. For those of you that did meet him, we apologize, as we're sure he's probably offended you. He was world-renowned for not holding back and telling it just like it is. Tim was born a hundred years too late. Given Tim's demeanor, he would have been the perfect weathered cowboy in the old West, rough and tough pioneer, or maybe he should have just been Amish. He was the fourth of eight kids, the bottom rung of the top tier of the big kids. But instead of taking his place on that rung, listening to the older kids and doing what he's told, he decided to anoint himself as king of the four little kids. So he spent his childhood, early adulthood, ordering them around and in general, tormenting them. He was a great orator, not like Shakespeare, but more like Yogi Berra, as he always had something to say. Tim always had to get in the last word. His fondness for authority, his own, not others, (laughs) followed him to South Winnesheck High School and later into the army. This provided many interesting episodes and stories, detentions, demotions, a few run-ins with the law, not only locally, but globally. He worked at Stanley Black & Decker as a tool and die maker for 30 years. Tim worked with a bunch of morons, his words, not ours. (laughs) Well, not exactly his words because his words would have included a bunch of swear words. Tim leaves behind a hell of a lot of stuff and a family who doesn't know what to do with it. So if you're looking for a Virgin Mary in a bathtub, you should wait for the appropriate amount of time and get in touch with them and tomorrow would be fine. (laughs) A common line in obituaries is he never met a stranger 
In Tim's case, he never met a rule he couldn't break, a boundary he couldn't push, a line he couldn't cross, a story he couldn't stretch. Another common obituary phrase, he'd give the shirt off his back. Well, Tim was prepared to do that, and he could do it quickly because he always wore his shirts unbuttoned three quarters of the way down. <laughs> oh, Tim was anything but common. He led a mediocre life, had a peaceful death, but the transition was a bitch. For the record, he did not lose his battle with cancer. When he died, the cancer died. So technically, it was a tie. <laughs> he was ready to meet his maker. We're just not sure if the maker was ready to meet Tim. Good luck, God. <laughs> Good luck, God. It's perfect as a parable or the internal kind of landscape that we find in the heart of a man in this wrestling with these core questions. Okay, guys, it's all built around the questions in this becoming true category, this big idea, who have I become and who am I becoming, right? All of apprenticeship is built on recovering the questions of masculine initiation. These are core questions. So we talked about in becoming a king, we have the iceberg as in uh, kind of an image where 90% we can't see. 10% of every iceberg is above the waterline. That's what the world sees. That's what we present to the world. Always different, every single iceberg, but 90% is below. That's the behavior. That's the activity. That's Tim Schrant, right? Who always got the last word. Below it is a set of motives that are always at work, and those motives are rooted in core beliefs. And so the journey of masculine initiation and this invitation to a decade of becoming good soil, of becoming a king, is recovering the questions that lead to the excavation of the big ideas which we hold to be true that are shaping our motives, that are shaping how we express ourselves to the world. And then it's constant caring alignment with the truth of those core ideas. More and more of us belonging to more and more of God, alignment into integration, union, maturity, and the life as the man we were meant to be. So everything we talk about, it gets uber practical right? Peterson said, if it's practical, it's biblical. If it's biblical, it's practical. It has to be operational because that's the rubber meets the road. But I don't want to start there. I have to do the excavating to get to the core of what's operating my behavior, my motives, my core beliefs. So this morning's session, very briefly, I want to do some review. I hope that it's review. And if it's not, it's okay. That's just where you'll need to pick up but I wanna open up a new idea of level three, kind of of excavating who have I become, who am I becoming? And so level two, level one, starting with the basics of this becoming true category of I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Right? That's the beginning of the poser that we introduce in Wild at Heart, in boot camp, in basic. This is the beginning of every man's story of how he presents himself to the world to arrange for a life without God, right? Engineering smallness, Brene Brown calls it. I love that term. It's what we're all doing in part. 
engineering a life that maximizes security and comfort doesn't require change and transformation. At core, you have this masculine heart. That's a mago day, right? It's universal. You bear the image of God as a man, and it's utterly unique. That unique expression, that, right, that white stone, that poema. It's always being expressed in the true self or false self. True self in union with God, rooted and established, or false self making life work apart from God. Some caricature, some fig leaf, right? And that's what Paul says in Romans 6 and 7. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. He's making a distinction of a civil war. Both are true. And everything is an expression of a heart that is good, okay? Level one, there's identity and validation. So at core of this expression, the masculine heart has a need for identity and validation. That's our core essence, right? And in, in, in that, there are these questions. They, they go unspoken, but we ask them every moment of every day, who am I really? And do I have what it takes, that reach for love and validation to be formed and forged? And in this world, it's intended in our maturity for the soul to be answered, you are and you can. Like I said last night, that well-being where you become the kind of person that you are enough, that you have enough, and that God is more than enough. It's a state of being that comes out of union, where you become like Paul, where he says, I have a secret, right? I've become the kind of person that wherever I am, whatever I have, I can make it in the one who makes me who I am. And the challenge is in this world, out of the false self because of a broken reality, they land not in validated places, but in shame and in fear right? And the simple messages are, I'm not, and I can't. This is the basic. This is sort of the 101 of understanding the excavation of who have I become and who am I becoming. So we can always come back to this place. Sort of level two we've found in the excavating work then moves into the styles of relating. And I hope that you've dove deep into this. It's in all, you know, a bunch of Become Good Soil podcasts. We've taught on it at various events. But these predominant styles, these are kind of personality expressions, fundamental ways of being in the world, of moving against, moving towards, moving away. And generally speaking, this isn't a personality assessment. This is ways of understanding how a person relates out of their true self and false self. So now we're getting more specific, more intricate. And There's a fallen version of these and there's a redeemed version of these. And we all have a predominant style. And so your unique expression of Imago Dei, your heart as an image bearer has a propensity towards one more than the others, right? I have a propensity towards uh, move against. Sherry has a propensity towards move towards, okay? That's our predominant style. But the, one of the most brilliant teachings on this, Matthew 21, when Jesus comes in Palm Sunday and, and just makes, makes a mess of the temple and, and throws down 
um, and then turns and heals and makes room for, cares for the dove and makes room for the, the, the lame and tends to the children. There's this beautiful fluid scene of Jesus operating in all three. Here's the brilliance of Jesus. He is utterly at ease with himself. He's a man not living out of the false self. He's at ease with himself and he moves fluidly through all three styles. And that's the crazy thing. You can make an argument, Jesus is move away. Then you make an argument, no, he's totally moved towards. Like, look at the woman at the well. And you say, no, he's move against. Like he picks fights with the Pharisees all the time. Yes, yes, and yes. And how does he do that? Like he would not do well in a personality test. Like any Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, it would break. It would break. And that's why those tools are helpful in limited capacities. It's not that they're not help, they're not unhelpful, but Jesus transcends personality. Do you see that? Because he's given over to union with his father. It's pretty profound. And as you mature, right? Peterson says the scriptures actually become autobiographical. In your 70s, in your 80s, what's your story? Well, this is my story. That's where we're headed, you guys. And so Jesus moves fluidly depending on what his father's inviting him to be as an expression of his unique personality. Lots more we could say on this, okay? But I wanna say level one, level two, what we're doing is excavating how we get to the true self, that Imago Dei, and do the restoration work to gather the whole of the man and integrate him to the whole of God. Level one, true self, false self. Level two, styles of relating. Level three, I wanna take a deeper dive. This is for the decade. Big idea, it's not for just this weekend. It's to open up a category, okay? I just wanna put a pin on the map to recover this place on your masculine initiation that you may not have visited yet. In the Become Good Soil intensive live event, I began this section of the teaching with an introduction of a film clip from a film by Sitka called A Place of Peace, a beautiful documentary of retired U.S. Army Special Forces Master Sergeant Bobby Farmer. The visual is really important to this because it's a beautiful, evocative film of Bobby Farmer driving in the countryside in his old Jeep and going to tree stand hunt for a white-tailed deer with his bow. It's beautiful imagery and it is a place of peace. And it's his day off, it's his time away. It's intended to be solitude and place of nourishment and life-giving care and beauty and be immersed in things that are good and true. And what takes place in the video introduction is this very provocative and in many ways disturbing picture of what's happening inside of Bobby Farmer. So the visual is beautiful and restful, but the internal landscape that's being triggered is a whole nother story. That is to say, there is a part of Bobby Farmer that's not present to his natural surroundings. The natural surroundings, the jiggling of metal in his truck and the 
something dead on the side of the road and the sound of gravel, they're all triggering a trauma point that's tied to a part of him that's still at war. And so the brilliance of the introduction of A Place of Peace is this juxtaposition of the parts within Bobby Farmer. He wants to be a man at peace, and part of him is in a world of peace. And there's another part of him that is in a state of unrest. It's in a trauma response. And he's having to wrestle with this internal dichotomy of the parts within him. And so I would invite you, if you have time and space, to go to YouTube and just search a place of peace and just watch the first two and a half minutes, the introduction of the documentary, and then come back to this audio. And if you're not able to do that, that's no problem at all. I'm just going to play the audio that we did the video of during the live event and just let it access you in the ways that it's possible to access. side of your head tells you, you better listen or you'll be dead. The birds chirping, the smell of fresh cut grass, your child wanting to hold your hand, you just don't see any of that. I'll see decisions on the battlefield, the brain, the foot taking a tourniquet off of that guy and putting it on that guy because he was dying. Would he have still lived? Image is a little girl that was killed. She looked fine, but absolutely lifeless, you know, staring at me straight into my soul. You don't want to close your eyes because you don't want to go back to that place. Speed is security. To catch up to, it's harder to ram a vehicle that's going fast. Bridge abutments, culverts, ditches, a dead animal. That's where they plant the IEDs. You can smell it, you can taste it, and you can see it. You don't know where the hell you're at. It's impossible to enjoy life. Let's take that in for just a moment. Just tune into your masculine soul. What do you notice?
See, Bobby Farmer is, um, he's in Texas. It's a Saturday. He's going on a hunt. He's got a day off. He's, he's not in Afghanistan, sort of. Right? But you see the trauma surfacing, the, the, the seatbelt banging against the metal and the bridge and the dead animal. All of it is triggering a trauma. And he's not in Texas right now. Right? There is a part of him that's presenting that is deeply wounded, deeply terrorized on red alert. And he says, where am I? Like, I don't know where I am. Like, that's really astute. He goes, it's impossible to find peace. Oh, that's it. This is a man that's becoming aware of the internal landscape of his soul. And here's the key. Part of Bobby Farmer is hunting driving his truck, his favorite truck, going to a spot that he used to go to as a child. And part of him is in the battlefield putting a tourniquet on a guy. And both are true. And both are here. And both need to be validated, seen, listened to. Both have different questions. And one of them is asking, am I safe? And, and right now he's not, he's terrorized, right? One of them is needing the question, like, what is it that you need? Because most men in this situation, it's all just brown water, right? It's all an amalgam. And he's like, man, what the crap? I just want to hunt. Like, I just want to have fun. Like, why can't I just relax? And what am I going to do? And, and then turning towards medicating in any way. When part of him wants to hunt and the other part, there's this, young warrior that has a need. What do you want to say? I want to say like an IED on the side of the road, blowing up a child. That's awful. He needs tended to. What I want to explore this morning is a deeper dive. Isaiah 61, the central mission of Jesus and the core recovery of what we've been entrusted with, Leib Shabar, brokenhearted. Jesus says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. Jesus wants to do this on comprehensive levels. And as warriors that are in training, as we mature, we have to begin to attune to the many parts of us in very, um, in much specificity, okay? Because we are a community of parts. You know, the most important thing you can know about any human being is they bear the image of God on very deep, mysterious levels, right? As man and as woman. But what do you do with God is? He says, I am that I am. Like, whoa, okay? He names it. That seems, you know, mysterious, but clear. And then he goes on to say, I'm the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So then you're three persons, but then you're one. But then it gets more complex because like in Psalm 103, in those profound verses that he says that the Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Thank you. Thank you for that nourishing, that wombing, that compassion. And that's true. And Exodus 15, three, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Well, which one are you? Which one are you today? Which one do I relate to? How do I understand that? Well, yes, God is, I am that I am. And all of that, God is a community of parts and persons. 
And part of how we bear the image of God is in the brilliance of the multiplicity of expression of a person. But this is also where we get very broken and very harmed. And so it can come sideways. And that's where you see in its extreme things like multiple personality disorder. What I believe is actually we all on some levels have multiple personality and it's not intended to be disorder, right? It's intended to be a mago day so that here you can offer compassion and move towards and here you're a warrior and move against and you can discern what is right. Understand the times, Isaiah 44, and understand how to bring your strength. And so the curiosity is how do we recover all the parts of us that are triggered when we go to, on a Saturday adventure, but we're totally taken out, or you have an impossible decision about being at my post on this mission and being at my post on the more important things as father. How do I walk through that? The impossible made possible is the integration of the parts of the man. So Richard Schwartz is sort of like one of the modern fathers in all this. He developed what, the, what he calls internal family systems. And so again, everyone's trying to move towards more of the true and good and beautiful. From the men that I know that have walked more closely with him, I do believe he has a relationship with God, but his training is offered in a secular space. And so when I talk about him and IFS, I want to be very careful and guarded of one of the greatest dangers in this moment on the globe, and it's the kingdom without the king. There is so much experimentation of things that are sort of kind of like God in his kingdom, but they don't rely on the life and power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, died, resurrected, and ascended. So we can, you know, plunder the Egyptians as they did in Exodus and recover everything that was created in original goodness. But we have to be very careful to try sort of therapeutic models that try to get the kingdom without the king. So that's kind of the umbrella qualifier. Having said that, he is on to gold. He spent three decades walking with deeply broken, you know, Leib Shabar, broken, shattered souls to begin to learn how do you recover the internal family, this internal system of parts in order they can be integrated and made whole so that you can then come to a fragmented world as a whole man that requires different parts of you in different situations. And so the whole goal is integration of the person, integration of the human person. And when we have this perspective, it's brilliant to look at the prophetic words of scripture. Isaiah 61, I've come to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the pieces that were fractured and are in arrested development, have been cut off, traumatized, exiled. And Isaiah 49, he talks about, I will bend the bars of iron to rescue the children. And it goes further than Isaiah 43, one of my favorite passages on this. Isaiah pronounces, I've called you by name, right? That new name. And then there's this beautiful passage where the voice of God through Isaiah says, I'd sell the whole world to get you back, to trade creation just for you. I will round up all your scattered children. I'll pull them in from east and west, send orders north and south. 
Send them back, return sons from distant exiled lands, daughters from faraway places. I want them back. Every last one that bears my name, whom I created for glory, yes, personally formed and made each one. In Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard says, the individual, like the group, is often divided into incoherent fragments. Proverbs 25, 28, he says, like a city that's broken into without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. And so if I'm taken out, if my short bus is commandeered by the part of me that's angry and sad that I'm not at my son's game. I will not be in union with God to be present to you and to take my seat in this mission. I would be a city without a wall. But he says the ideal of the spiritual life in the Christian understanding is one in which all the essential parts of the human are effectively organized around God and restored and sustained by him. So that's the goal. Simplifying it down, all the parts are organized around God and sustained by him. We're all disintegrated and we're trying to organize our soul around God and then be sustained by God. Okay, so that's the goal, to simplify it. Step one in this process is what we call mapping our parts and learn to get to know those parts, learn how they relate to God how they relate to each other, where they present, what they need, and that's the work of restoration. Ryan and I have spent the last nine months intimately mapping our parts together. Let's go. It's been awesome. (laughs) When he mapped this out, I said to Ryan, that is so helpful to me. I think it would help these other guys. So can we talk about your parts map at the intensive? He's offering strength and love to put some words to what we've been exploring together in a playful way. You know, like one guy said, theology can be like a brick wall where you just hit with a hammer, hit with a hammer until it all falls apart. Or it can be like a trampoline that you bounce on and it has elasticity. It maintains its shape. It's true, but it's playful and it's enjoyable. And we can experiment until we find more of what's true and good and beautiful podcast listeners, I want to pause here because in this next section, my good friend and ally Ryan comes up on stage and we talk about his parts map and some of the inner workings of the landscape of his soul as a man. You don't need the illustrations to get the heart of what Ryan is sharing, but the visual really does help. So as I said in the introduction, becomegoodsoil.com slash parts work and just look for the first image of the map of Ryan's parts and those images that he's referring to in his explanation of the parts. And so Ryan, would you let us in a little bit to the map of your parts and how you understand true self, false self on this level of integration? Yeah, 
Thanks, Morgan. I hope this is helpful, and I hope you see the greater story of redemption and what's possible. I was in your seat six years ago, and I gave my yes wholeheartedly. And then it was just like, whisk off into this crazy adventure of what God can do. And so just some context, I would say you can't do this alone, um, and you can't self-diagnose. But you can observe some things. Some of the observations will be like symptoms and feelings, and others will be more kind of core beliefs and identities. So I can't go through my whole story. So I'll just give some context of kind of the rise of the false self and then the exploration since. So son of loving parents, divorced when I was five. Uh, in high school, a lot of us find our thing, right? For me, it wasn't sports. It wasn't adventure. It was grades. And then it became about college and which college and which major. And then it was which company and which industry. And I'll just say, whatever my sweep is, like I wanted to be the Michael Jordan of that sweep. And it can apply to all of our sweeps. So, you know, I was unfathered, uninitiated. My dad was there, but he was never there. And uh, so I took my question to my job. And it was all about performance, all about you tell me who I am, and I will literally kill myself to do whatever you ask for that validation mm -hmm. and affirmation. And so as I've uh, learned on my journey, like Michael Jordan, I wanted to be the best and have everyone know I'm the best. That gave me license for a couple of things. One is, if you're the best, you can be a jerk, and that's okay because you're the best. Michael Jordan was in, in your face mm -hmm. with how good he was. And then uh, it would also give financial freedom so I wouldn't need anything from anyone. They wouldn't be able to hurt me. And uh, I wouldn't need God, which I had no category for. Mm. I threw myself at it. And from the outside perspective, it worked. Fast track promotions, flying through the ranks. I was that go-to guy. And I actually kind of reached the pinnacle promotion in my mid-30s you know, ahead of schedule as I planned. Mm -hmm. And it was empty and nothing changed. And then I attended Become Good Soil six years ago. Beautiful experience with Jim and Chuck in my story group. And when I was done with my story, Chuck said, do you know you don't have to perform? And I had never even thought of it. Mm. I had no file for that. No one in love had ever even told me that was an option. And that was the thread that unraveled and started my journey. Mm. So be kind to yourselves, men, like whatever the experience is going to be for you, like it, it, it simply takes time. You give God your yes and he'll show up and you'll be on time. Mm -hmm. So what it felt like was uh, this driven man was compelled to win. Uh, he can never quit. I love how uh, Aaron describes it as uh, a, a tire that is balancing itself on its own energy. As long as it's moving. As long as it's moving and it can never stop. And so then in the middle, why could I never stop? I had, I was surrounded by fear and anxiety of it all collapsing. I knew it was all dependent on me and my energy and I had to fake it time and time again. And if anyone found out, if anything happened uh, then it was all going to fall like a house of cards. Mm -hmm. And that's a very heavy weight. So if anyone feels that, if anyone cares that, you know, love that place. I have empathy for you in that. 
um, that is hard. And so where did that lead? Empty exhaustion. I had a panic attack in my 20s, a panic attack in my 30s, um, and was just completely wiped. And you dig in the well, you dig in the well, you burn through your reserves. And then luckily I was able to pause mm-hmm. and, and learn more. So you're saying you're kind of tertiary circles, right? The people at your sweep, yep. not, not your wife, not your kids, but the other people, they mostly get more Michael Jordan, yep. right? And all of his, like, he's kicking butt, taking names, crushing it. And they see little glimpses probably of these feelings below, but in your inner circles, you, you don't feel Michael Jordan. What you feel is compelled to win by fear, you know, never quit by fear of failure and collapse, and you're exhausted. Yeah, that's what you're feeling on the inside. Yep, and no one, no one knew. It's that secret yeah. hidden life, right? Yeah. I had to get honest about um, my my coping uh, with the self sufficiency, right? So to maintain that energy, um, I went to food for false comfort. Um, I had to numb the pain through alcohol. Um, and other things, and uh, and had that need to be perfect, that perfectionism, that was a, a drive, and so that's where I would go time and time again to maintain this fig leaf, the false image, and and it stopped mm-hmm. working, mm-hmm. right? Uh, my wife could see it, and and counseling certainly helped. This year, through another round of uh, intensive counseling, through our work, in parts. Um, I've actually gotten to the very bottom, and this is real time. This is all in the last nine months. So this is just where I'm at now, and I don't have it figured out. But there are actual parts and ages frozen in time within me that the pain, which was very loud. uh, I mean, I remember um, when my wife and kids would go out of town, uh, the, the, the silence would be very loud, and the pain would come up. And then it's, okay, what are we going to go do, buddies? Are we going to go drink? Mm. How are we going to silence it down? So these are parts, and what they need is is healing. So I have a scared boy uh, who hides, and he's five years old um, from the time of the divorce. Uh, I've got, uh, I've learned there's actually two teenagers. Mm -hmm. One is lazy and uh, hates to pick up around the house. And never cleans his closet. And my wife does not appreciate that. Um, he's that whiny part of me that um, sometimes doesn't want to pray, sometimes doesn't want to offer love to others. Um, and so having it be a specific place yeah. rather than this naggy, whiny thing I just hate is super helpful. Oh, yeah. Next is a, a defiant teenager. There's actually a brother here who in love asked Jesus what was up when I scoffed out of a room and he heard uh, uh, angry defiance and that helped name uh, this other teenager who's looking to fight. And if you come at him with a knife or a comment, he comes at you with a bazooka Mm -hmm. and he has led more meetings in my chimney sweep (laughs) than I think anyone would, would like. And then finally is that performance-driven man. He is a part of me. Uh, He can only do one thing. He can only win at all costs. And he's still there. So I've learned I can die to the false self 
by being aware and responding and making better choices, mm -hmm. but you cannot kill your false self. Yes. You may not like these parts at, at first. You may hate some of the things that they have done, mm -hmm. but they actually need the love of God yes. and the integration and the redemption. And so he's still there. Thank you, loyal soldier, right? He has provided mm -hmm. a lot of good in the world, a lot of good for my family, uh, but I bless him and I release him of mm. his service. And he's just not helpful uh, any longer. Yes. <laughs> okay, so there's something really important in what Ryan just said, that last piece is in the kind of early steps of the true self, false self, there's a man that needs to die, right? It's the epitaph, right? He came through, right? You know, proudly and anxiously for many and much at the expense of who and what mattered most. That's that man in me that had to die. That's not the deepest thing. We pass through death through a greater life. Every part is originated in the true self, in the Imago day. There are no bad parts. And so at first, we have this civil war and sometimes we need to take a gun and shoot what's a visual of some of our parts because that's true, that's valid, it's important. It's a stage because there's a man that has wreaked havoc. And then there's another stage where we actually have to turn and listen to him and say, what, why did you do that? Oh, he, he was trying to protect me in a season. It's all you knew was to keep driving, right? And that's rooted in something of you've got this tenacity like of what you're doing to now fight for the hearts of others, of hosting, you know, bringing this gospel into your world and hosting gatherings and leading all outside your chimney sweep. Like that's part of that man being restored. And so there are no bad parts. And so this level three is the integration by welcoming blessing every part, getting curious at why you've had such disdain. Why do they not feel safe? Why do they feel exiled? And so that's real. this is a part of maturation in wholeheartedness. And what you said, so I wanna just reflect back, the closet, right? Jamil's like, what's with this closet? Like, clean it up, clean it up, right? Okay, Problems in the world reveal problems in the soul. And so what presented was a messy closet in this house that Jamil would like to keep clean and neat. That's reasonable. It wasn't Ryan at, in his 40s that's making a mess of his closet. It's the lazy and defiant teenager, right? The lazy teenager is like, I don't want to pick up my crap, right? Because he is back in elementary school being parented by a television at home by himself, not being asked to do anything, not being initiated or fathered, and he's still there. And so that closet is actually vital. It's actually presenting a symptom. And so in the work, like let's, let's use that as an example. So like, what did you do when we said, yeah, Jamil's sick of me not picking up my crap. And oh, I realized that's not the 40, you know, 40 something me. This is a teenager in me. Like what happened with that part, just for example? Yeah, I think to exercise uh, love and discipline and repentance, clean up the closet. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like that important to my wife that she would mention it in the counseling office. And I was like, wait, of all the things you could mention right now, <laughs> like this is on your top 10? <laughs> And it got my attention. I was like, well, so I good. love you. And frankly, thank you for the low bar. I will, <laughs> I will take that. 
and, and, <laughs> but guys, like, hear this. The, the irony is like, it may sound like low bar, but it's actually impossible to clean up the closet with this part being shamed and neglected and angered and try harder and fail and try harder and fail, right? Yep. So there was, I observed you offer a lot of kindness to him. And why are you lazy? Why don't you want to pick up any of your crap, right? And we did the work and then you realize, well, he's home alone. No one's fathering him and picking up his stuff. A young man needs to learn, pick up your stuff. I go, guys, pick up your crap. Like I just bought eight pizzas for you. Glad to do it. You devoured it like locusts. Throw your stuff away. <laughs> Be a teenager. Throw your stuff away, right? They, that's loving discipline. Endure hardships is discipline. And so I observed you actually move towards those parts. Understand this is not about sloppy living. This is not about lack of discipline. This is about welcoming this inner part, letting the spirit instruct it how to be healed and you sent me a picture of your closet. It's like all put together. And it was just this moment of integration. It's not just behavioral management, right? That's the key. Like, cause we really think our will is the most powerful thing. Like it, it's not the horse, it's the reins. The horse is the animated life of the spirit. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to see in Ryan's story is there are layers and even layers to his parts. And he's done the work to finally get to these four core. Now there are more parts of you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And all these parts have a restored version. There's a larger map, parts have parts. The, this is comprehensive, but we're just zooming into a piece of your story yep. to understand who you've become on this day and how you're engaging with God on it. Yeah, and I, and I love how you said integration. So what I found is... Um, so now that I'm aware of these parts in the last few months, what God's been doing is, whether it's the gracious uh, one minute of silence at the end of the podcast, yes, or through uh, the 30 days, the resilient, um, Jesus will come after uh, the scared boy, yeah, who needs who needs to feel safe, who needs to feel loved, who needs to feel accepted and that things are going to be okay. And just yesterday, a loving roommate of mine brought the father to the scared little boy mm. who was anxious about today. And God's just going to show up in time and over time. The teenager needs rest. Uh, so Jesus literally appeared like shotgun in my 94 blazer at the time. You know, you can go back in time in these encounters um, and he needed to turn the music down and he needed to rest and he needed to know as much of God as 43 year old mm. me. Right. And then the performance driven man, uh, needs to know it's not all up to him and he's not all alone. And, uh, and, uh, life is not a game to be won. Mm. It's an adventure to be lived with God. And so God just keeps coming again and again and again. Thank you. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for modeling. Thank you for risking your story with us. Yeah. We want practical operational examples for you to see how you can map and how you can become aware and have that sort of fluidity that Ryan did going, oh, I'm aware of these parts within me. I'm honoring them, listening to them, 
observing what they need, watching Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Father, minister to them. Podcast listeners, at this point in the teaching at the Become Good Soil Intensive, we shift from Ryan's parts map to my own map of my parts. And this isn't a map of all of my parts, but this is diving in to some realities that have manifested in parts of me that I've tuned into. In this section, I refer to Bobby Walker from The Company Men. If you're familiar with that brilliant film, sort of a modern day parable of masculine initiation, this will make perfect sense. But if you're not familiar with it, in episode 87 of the Become Good Soil podcast, I unpack a lot of that film and explain the heart and the story of Bobby Walker. But for this podcast, you don't need all of that. I just want to explain that in many ways, Bobby Walker as an iconic image is an example of much of what my false self was as a manifestation in my sort of coming of age years, a man driven by success, using his work and his world and his achievement to receive validation. And so that is sort of the archetype that I'm naming that's at the core of this sort of um, map of the parts that make up my false self. And that's what I'm referring to. You can see the map of my parts on becomegoodsoil.com slash parts, and that will be really helpful as I teach through this next section. Bobby Walker, company man, success. That is just the image for me. Like I can't even name mm. success at what or who or why, but it is just success. And that is the core of what I wanted to present to the world. And as I look at above the waterline, below the waterline, what I realize there's kind of this collection above the waterline of, of what I present and the, below the waterline, the core sort of identity pieces. And again, for me, there's this misunderstood, and it's interesting to name this like little good guy, uh, this misunderstood part is just like follows the rules, doesn't pick a fight, does the right thing, doesn't make an enemy like my mom told me never mm. to do. And inside he's furious because he is under, mm. misunderstood and he's angry and furious and isolated. But outside, that's how he behaves and acts. The strategist is the most sophisticated of my false self. And again, Imago Dei, part of God's image in me is a strategist. That's why God animates me to design things like this. But mostly it's been in my false self. He's always oversolving, figuring his way out of problems to not need God. There's the try harder, just whatever it is, just work harder, try harder. There's the rescuer that always comes through and the hamster wheel guy of do more. Like it's, it's never enough. And so whatever I'm doing, I need to mm. do more. If, if I could just see how I operate externally in the world, those are my parts predominantly. Below what's at work inside of me that you don't see unless you live with me is there's, a, there's this, I'm a pig. There's a glutton that just has to medicate to feel good. And, and I will binge on exercise or food. And they're really good, sick combo. 
because the food I can binge on, then I can justify binging on exercise and back and forth and back and forth. It's up to me, right? Whatever the problem is, I have to solve it. And there's these two that are very interesting. They're very different for me, but one is lacking and one is scarcity. And what I found is one is a very unmothered place, the lack, I don't have enough. It's scarcity and fear, I will never have enough. The scarcity is this unfathered place of like, there's just not abundance, there's not provision, there's not covering. So I'm on my own to resource my life. And then there's overwhelmed. Mm. And therefore overwhelmed is, was kind of the predominant emotion internally. And I would have added anxiety, but it, there's been so much healing in this anxious little boy. Like I, I felt like he wasn't even supposed to be on the map because mm-hmm. he's okay. He's so with Jesus, like lifetime battle with anxiety is 98% gone for two years. So quick story, and then I wanna um, bring Grant in for some conversation. So examples of this, like practical, operational, uh, the restoration that's happened in my soul just in the last two and a half years from exploring these parts is is just, it's so intimate, it's so real, it's so resuscitating. So I bite my nails. I've bit my nails since I can remember. I, I can't remember when I started because I it was as long as I have memory. One time my mom gave me stuff to paint that tastes like crap, try to stop. I've never stopped. And I've been doing a lot of this parts work, exploring it. I love when I asked Grant about IFS. He's, I said, you know, when do you apply this? And he said, well, it's just my way of seeing the world. Mm. And over the last two years, I've allowed it to be my way of seeing. So I'm driving my truck, I'm biting my nails. And then I just said, um, 46, why am I biting my nails? Didn't know why. And I said, oh, what part is biting his nails, right? Just like Ryan's closet, doesn't seem like a big deal. I've tried everything. I'm a disciplined guy. I've tried everything stuff. I couldn't tell what age, I couldn't tell what part. And then I just said, father, I invite you to the part of me that bites his nails. And he said the most intimate thing, he said, son, now is when we rest. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, now is when we bite our nails. <laughs> it was like, oh, boom. It was like revelatory every, and so then for month, day after day, month after month, I'd go to bite my nails and he would say, son, now is when we rest. And what I realized was it was an outward expression of this, that hamster wheel guy, do more. The next thing, and I look back on my story in college, like I was severely addicted to caffeine because I wouldn't sleep because if I slept, I wasn't doing enough. It was the hamster wheel because I have to, I have to save everybody. And then it got to, oh, I have to save myself because my dad saved himself. And that's what I inherited. And what I found was the self-saving boy. Mm-hmm. And if I'm biting my nails, then in, if I feel every minute with activity, at least I'm doing something, right? Mm-hmm. It's self-protection. And instead, Jesus inviting him to heal the boy. And, and the, I don't bite my nails since February of last year. And guys, when I tell you that, like it, it's, it, it's massive. I can't explain it other than tending to that small part of me, understanding that the nails were this invitation to say, mm. it's not just Morgan that bites his nails, this brown water of all my parts. There's a part, do more, do more. And therefore I'm learning to 
have times where now is the time that we rest. Now is the time we don't try harder. And an example of that, I'm in the parking lot at DIA airport a couple weeks ago, on the phone, parked, doing some parts work with a friend. And we're working on this integration. These are scary things to like release. I don't ask for anything. Mm. I, I, I don't receive, right? Receiving gifts is like the hardest thing for me. And, and finding a need, I hold up the world. I try harder. I make it happen. I find the money. I strategize. So we got to do it. I can't let it go. All those parts, right? They're, they're being triggered. And then in a safe place to say, no, Jesus has this. We don't have to have them and he's okay. And I don't have to arrange for it. And I walk around to the, the cart uh, where you get the bus, you know, DIA. And there is my childhood knife that Jesus sets there right for that part. There's a lot more stories. I wish we could get into it. Grant, probably out of this room, has likely spent more time in doing work with mapping parts, integrating parts than, um, than anyone here for over 15 years, particularly with guys in the wild at heart, become good soil space um, and facilitator, like-hearted, early intensive. So we want to introduce this category to you. This is just cracking open the wardrobe door to the next level. And I hope you have a lot of questions hmm. and most of them aren't getting answered today or this weekend. And the good news is thanks to a couple guys, like you'll have a set of cards and begin exploring hmm. this. But questions, comments, like I want you to have an understanding of the basics of this so you can take a step to simply begin like tuning into your parts. Grant, you've heard that mm -hmm. 101. Is there anything that you feel like, mm, just let me add this, this idea or this observation to help mm -hmm. the men? First off, I just have to say, this is awesome. Like just to have this as a category, I wish I could have had this many moons and I could tell stories and all that. And um, two of my favorite little isms that help is first off, pressure's off. We have potentially an infinite number of parts, potentially 67 parts, potentially 24, who, who knows, right? Like, whew, what am I feeling right now, mm -hmm. right? And your map can be as big or as small as you want it to mm -hmm. be, as God needs it to be. Um, I think one of the most helpful things when you're starting to look in is this goofy sound I make of, huh, like, huh, what is that, right? I'm starting to buy my, huh, why now, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're like, oh, why now? Like, it's just really loaded and it's hard to get to know vulnerable little parts if you're holding a shotgun, mm. right? Mm. Trying to kick down the door, like, Ch -ch -ch shut up. Like, what's happening? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but really, right? Okay, I need, gotta go find a part. I gotta go find a part, Morgan. <sighs> Right? Like, okay, what are my huhs in the world? You know, what are my huhs? Like, Lord Jesus, what are my on-ramps? I call them trailheads. Put a little pin in it. There's a trail. We don't necessarily know what the mountain's going to look like, but okay, I know there's something in that direction. So just start with a huh. Mm. If you notice that you're, then that's your part. Okay, I got a, I got a part that mm -hmm. wants to kick down the door and do this. Okay, of course, buddy, like you really want this healing. I got it. Would you be willing to give me a little bit of space so I can just see what else is here. And if not, then he just needs some time. And if so, okay. So anyway, there's so much we could go into, but just, if you're not hawing, just know that there's a part that's sitting in the driver's seat trying to do the work and trying to find the parts. Mm -hmm. And so pressure's off.
how do I begin finding those mm-hmm. other parts? Yeah, so I think in brief, usually kind of three on-ramps is one is what am I feeling in the now, mm-hmm. right? Another one is here's this pattern that I experience a lot. Okay. And then third is I know this thing happened in my story and I bet it trickles up, but I don't know how. Okay. So I'm in my story group, I'm saying this thing and wow, I just feel a lot of charge. So I'm yes. gonna bookmark that and then keep telling my story and actually I feel that Jesus is coming and I don't know what the part is, but I'm gonna start there. Great. Or like, holy cow, I'm talking real fast and I can't breathe. Okay, what's that part? You know. So, what, I mean? what am I feeling now? Mm-hmm. Right. What's the pattern? And then historic in my story. Mm-hmm. Wow, I shut down, and I never let him out again. He got me in trouble. Something like that. Yep. One more quick thing: they don't always have to look like little use. Like if you're at like Jesus, give me an image. It could look like a brick wall, mm. and just dialogue with the wall. Right, it doesn't have to look like like one of them was like a tired grandma. Like you don't have you don't have to have a little right. grandma inside. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But really, like if you feel the other, thank you, Jesus. If you feel fog, yes, the fog is a part. Okay, how can I ask that part to give me? Oh, fog, huh? What are you up to? Like you feel really foggy right now, and that can be a really good on ramp. Don't think you're blowing it. Mm-hmm. Everything is data. Friends, fellow podcast listeners, and brave ones around the globe, we are in the deep end of the pool. We covered a lot of ground. I expect and hope that you will go back and listen to this first episode in the Parts Work series again, because there's a lot to unpack, and no doubt a lot is being raised within you. And so here is the simple invitation. I want you in this week to begin tuning in to notice what parts come up. It might be people that trigger certain parts. It might be circumstances that trigger parts. It might be geographies or roles that you have that trigger parts. It might be patterns that you notice. It might be historic events or traumas that that come back to your attention. It might be something you're feeling, just as Grant described in the moment, that causes you to go, huh, what's that about in this moment? And I would invite you as a first step, just make a list, keep a running list, and don't uh, evaluate it. This is just the area of non-judgment. Just gather the data. What are the parts presenting? And then over time, what I want to invite you to do is begin in a playful way, an exploratory way of starting mapping out these parts. This doesn't have to be exhaustive. It just has to be sufficient for what God wants to show you about the parts within you in this moment, in your story, and in your masculine initiation. And so my invitation is to take a pass at mapping some of your parts and finding someone that you'd like to talk about regarding the work that God is wanting to invite you into with the healing of your parts. So again, the resources you can find for this are becomegoodsoil.com slash parts. You can see the images. You can find all the podcasts from this series once they all go live. And you can find resources that we've referenced along the way for diving into this parts work. You can find the link to buy a set of parts work cards from Amazon. They aren't necessary, but they are a helpful tool. You can also find a handful of counselors that are trained in the IFS 
the internal family systems model if you want to dive deeper with some professional work. But in all of it, remember, as a son, it's a playground. It's a place to experiment. It's a place to bring your curiosity. And so as we close this episode, next time we have a really um, risky, I would say, session where I actually did a live clinic with Grant Lighthizer, an IFS counselor, where I went vulnerably into some of my parts in the moment as a way of lovingly offering an illustration of the kind of on-time possibility that exists when we tune in and listen in for these parts and invite Jesus to do integrative work. But until we get there, I want to invite you to a 90-second transition back into your world. Uh, As we do that, I want to invite you simply to notice a tug of war right now between two parts. As you're listening and as you're navigating your world, I want to invite you through the Holy Spirit to tune in to parts within you that are in juxtaposition of one another. And so part of you really wants to stay here, for example, maybe another part of you just does not want to go here. Maybe that's it. Or maybe part of you is feeling a pull of what you need to do next and something begging for your attention and it's eliciting a certain emotion. And the other part of you really longs to linger and embrace these 90 seconds. Whatever it is in your life or your story in these final 90 seconds of reflection, I want to invite you just to notice the two parts. Try to get a visual of what they look like. And maybe it's an image of you at a certain age. Maybe it's a person or a sort of a caricature. Or maybe it's, it's a visual, like even Grant said, where sometimes a part may look like a, a brick wall or a cloud or an army tank. Whatever it is, try to get a visual of these two parts and then simply ask the question to each part, what is it that you need? What is it that you need right now. And it might be something they simply need to say to the older you, the part that's integrated with Jesus. And so we'll wrap this episode, this part one of the becomegoodsoil.com parts work podcast with 90 seconds. Tune in to two of these parts within you and ask them, what is it that they need? And what do they want to say? Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, guide us into this. Thanks for joining us, friends.